Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God and how you seek the Kingdom of God and His righteousness. And we talked this morning for a couple hours on the present state of things in the country as far as uh, the coronavirus is concerned, which the great threat is not the virus. The great threat is the economic shutdown. And why they thought we needed an economic shutdown. Because it is very clear, you got statements from Fauci from the beginning, statements from all sorts of people who are dealing with, uh, you know, research scientists in Stanford and, and Oxford and a number of universities around the world who study this day in, day out, as well as tracking diseases, multiple different diseases. And they were, a lot of them, absolutely willing to say that they could see no evidence that this was any more than a typical flu virus. So some of the characteristics were that it was a little faster traveling, which is common with the respiratory viruses, and that uh, it would probably affect the elderly because it's t- attacking the, they didn't know all this at the time, but it appeared to be attacking lung cells, and it appears that it's uh, the type 2 lung cell that it's attacking. Now, all kinds of other things that come out, and we covered a lot of that in the last couple of shows, uh, too, so that people understand, because people don't understand how viruses work, and what a virus is. Some people think they don't even exist, and that nobody's ever seen one. Well, nobody's ever seen one. Nobody's ever seen a bacteria unless you look under a microscope. Nobody's ever seen a virus unless you look under an electron microscope. But uh, they do have imaging. They, there's people who spend their lifetime slicing tissue uh, with uh, electronic uh, razors and then putting them in slides. And sometimes they do a good job and sometimes they don't. But we've seen a lot. And now the advancements of electron microscopes, you can actually see a lot of processes going on. And so there are viruses, but they don't really know what they are. They know they don't really live by our definition of alive, but they are replicated in other living tissue and what we talked about this morning was exosomes, which are produced by uh, almost every cell in your body will produce them. They usually originate in cells like stem cells. And they are sending messages to other cells in the body that there is a problem with uh, some sort of toxin, including viruses, bacteria, uh, just simply chemicals, whatever. And it's notifying the rest of the body as to what to do about it. They also, exosomes also deal with uh, outdated cells, uh, weakened cells, aged cells, injured cells. And they they prepare them to be reassimilated into the body. Uh, as well as cancer cells, which they should be going and turning off cancer cells along with other parts of the immune system that do this so that the cancer cells die. So all that is going on in this huge array of uh, pharmaceutical industry that is being uh, operated in your body. 
with billions of cells and microbes helping you in that process, and you're completely unaware of it. But it's why you can walk and talk and wiggle your toes, is because all this is this complex interaction of life, of individual cells operating within the entire body, for the entire body, by the entire body. And we equated that with the body of Christ and how the body of Christ operates so that you can see the parallels between the body of Christ and the natural body of the human uh, genome, as well as other animals do many of these same things. But anyway, so we talked about that, and we talked about what a virus really is, and we set forth a number of theories that uh, haven't been proven. A lot of things haven't been proven. A lot of, when you start dealing with something, you can only see with an electron microscope. There's a lot of conjecture as to it. Uh, I did some more research on uh, uh, studies that show the the detrimental effects of vaccinations on populations. And there was one that was fairly recent that uh, came out and... Uh, and we can look at some of the things and conclusions that they drew in their study. This is a recent study. But one of the things in looking at that study, they were saying that uh, that this is the first study of its kind. Well, yeah, of its kind is a qualifying statement. What does that mean, of its kind? And uh, it, it has to do with the specific parameters in that, and they were looking at kids between the ages of 6 and 12 and tracking them for a number of years. There are other studies that long ago, but older than that, which went back to places that received vaccination. They had records that all these people received vaccination. And they went back and looked at the records of those people to examine their health and the health of those communities. That's a daunting task and probably not well funded because why would a... Sometimes these things are funded so that they can prove that vaccinations don't cause a problem and then they start finding the evidence is that vaccinations do cause a problem and so they don't want to fund it anymore. But anyway, there are those studies and they're out there and in every case they show difference between the vaccinated and unvaccinated. In some cases they show significant difference. We we looked at a military study of soldiers well, that's not a cross-section of society. Those are grown soldiers that are, you know, uh, you know, over 17, 18 years old in the peak of condition. And they give them a certain number of vaccines and then they look to see if there's a difference between one group and the other. Well, that's, that's not dealing with two-year-olds that are getting vaccines, numerous vaccines at once. It's not dealing with a cross-section of society, which is possibly vulnerable. So it wasn't a very accurate study. They did see a difference, but they said it was not a significant difference. But, of course, it was that little group that they were testing. It was in a broad section of society. And, of course, if you look at coronavirus, they say thousands are dying, really not more than, you know, 2017 when we had 70,000 people die in the United States from uh, the regular flus that go around all the time. But, uh, and it appears they're all lowering their numbers. China is seemingly almost done. They're certainly running cycles. It's a big country. There'll be other pockets that 
the virus will show up in, but the major infected areas are not really showing any more or very many more uh, infections. But most of the infections were amongst the elderly population, immune-compromised population, none of which were in the military study. But we did have that one study from Princess, uh, the Diamond Princess Cruise, which mostly elderly people and had a very low percentage of deaths, which should have been, since that was a pretty closed environment and nobody really knew how to treat it at that time, and there's still a lot of people don't know how to treat it. But it was very clear that you would not have millions upon millions of people die. Because you had a whole ship with most everybody getting infected. One of the problems was there are some people that showed absolutely no symptoms and we don't even know if they were infected because they didn't really have adequate testing that was virus specific. Now such testing has come out. There's a lot of people who have put together virus kits uh, to uh, test for molecular structures that might tell you that a virus is present. And they're pawning those off, at least in Oregon, they're pawning them off on all the 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 different districts. And I can only imagine they're doing this because real tests are coming out and pretty soon their tests won't be worth anything. So they got the state to buy them all, probably gave them to them as a discount. State's handing them out to different counties that have been making a lot of noise about the fact that they found out that the PCR tests are not really true virus tests. They're just looking for debris that's not virus specific. And so to kind of placate them, they sent them these other tests. But there's no evidence that these other tests are going to really answer the real question. How many people have already had the virus? If 60, 70, 80% of the people have already had the virus, which is the case in many of the areas of uh, Great Britain and New York and even China. I don't trust all the the statistics that come out of China. But they, they cannot be hiding now millions of people coming down with these cases in this population of a billion people. They're not... They would not, China's open enough that there are people that would get that data out. Now, it's, it's very clear they tried to suppress data, but it seems to have run its course without a vaccination. If 60 to 70% of the people in London or Great Britain have already had and gotten over the, uh, the, uh, the virus who only the most compromised people with pre-existing conditions, or treated the the virus improperly, only those people are the ones that are seemingly dying. Very small number of anybody else. Nobody's really dying from the virus. They're dying from the symptoms. And so most of what the medical science is doing is trying to alleviate the symptoms. They're not actually curing the virus. Nobody's curing the virus. Vaccines won't cure the virus. Vaccines will introduce... The genetics of the virus into the bloodstream of those who get vaccinated. And your body in this huge conglomerate complex, if you listen to our shows this morning, you see, and and I just touched on the surface of the complexity of the human body and the pharmaceutical nature of the natural immune system. I I didn't touch on numerous elements of the immune system that we didn't even bring up. I was just showing you that that viruses are very similar to uh, these uh, little tiny uh, 
things that are created in, when I say tiny, I'm talking, you know, nanoparticles, that are produced inside of the cells and then released into the blood system to send signals, cellular communication. And it is very possible that if they're sending out the communication on how to deal with the virus, that this virus is now trying to get into the cells, that's not us, and you want to not let it in, not replicate it, and the other parts of the immune system actually go after it and try to destroy the virus. That's immunity, natural immunity. And it's very specific because they actually, in the human body, that begins that operation, when they receive a virus in nature, they have an exact copy of the virus in order to create the perfect defense for that virus. And that's why most of the people who get the virus are asymptomatic. They don't have any symptoms whatsoever. Yeah, they might be contagious, but it'll be for a very short period of time and not very contagious. They won't be having the dry cough, which is, or even a loose cough that is going to be spreading the virus out to others. They'll just be breathing normally. They're not going to be running a fever, so that, or, or almost, you know, just for a few minutes during the night, they might have had a little bit of a fever, but they're over it. And uh, they're not spreading the disease hardly at all. Now, somebody who gets very sick, they very possibly could spread the virus and other people will ingest it and they get their type 2 cells infected with this and that cell begins to reproduce it. So, the point is, if all those people are immune already and nobody introduced a vaccine and they showed no ill effects from it, Will they be better at the next virus that has the same type of uh, keys on them, those proteins, the same pattern that comes to open up the cell and introduce itself into your living tissue? Will you be better at spotting it and stopping it? Well, yes. And that's the point. People who readily get access to antibiotics get ear infections and and colds more often. That's the AMA who said that. They did their own studies and they see. So they that's when they started years ago started saying just don't give antibiotics to everybody who comes in. Well, that was that was the plan at one time, but now you know money talks and uh so a lot of doctors are still giving out antibiotics. They they tried to change different antibiotics, but we're getting now we're seeing Bacterias that are immune to antibiotics because the bacterias are developing natural immunities to our toxins, our antibiotics. That's a toxin to them. And you're not. And you're not because you're heavily dependent upon antibiotics. Now, antibiotics don't work on viruses, but they sometimes give antibiotics to people who... uh, have a viral infection because it's the secondary infection that may come from bacteria if there's damaged cells. And that secondary infection, you don't want that to bloom also. And of course, that was the, the doctor who was the, uh, uh, racer who got sick and then she tried these different, uh, cold remedies and then found out that was not recommended. Maybe she took some Advil. That's not recommended. All the doctors don't know these things aren't recommended. They think they know everything already, so they don't read the literature. And they don't stay up to date. And there really isn't, this is what the CDC should be doing, is finding out what works amongst real doctors, 
and getting that information shared to all the different doctors and hospitals. That's what they should be doing instead of playing politics. They know that too much use of antibiotics for bacterial infections will weaken your system and make you dependent upon those antibiotics as well as strengthen the bacterial infections so that they overcome the antibiotics. Same thing going on with the virus. If you give a vaccination, you're you're dumping all kinds of stuff into the body and and it, it, the body may learn to be immune to whatever it is the threat. I mean, if you actually read the statistics of what they they say how many times the, the vaccine works? Because some of them, I know we, we've had vaccines when we used to give them to their livestock. It says right on them, 30% effective. Well, that's not very effective. You know, and then what are you doing? What are the side effects to that? And they look and, well, I don't see any side effects, so there's no side effects. Well, the side effect is, is the animals that do survive, they may develop autoimmune. That's one of the things that comes out in this study. That, that animals react pretty much the same way as children and they may become uh, more susceptible to other things, you know, like uh, allergies, etc. And, but they may become immune to that particular disease, but they also may start losing the ability in their own system to detect for themselves infections that come in the normal way, like viruses normally get in by breathing them in. There are other ways, puncture wounds can let them in and stuff like that, but the skin is pretty good at fighting off these things. But anyway, a couple of, you know, if you read Acts 15, 20, it says, but that we write unto them that they abstain from pollution of idols. Now, what was the pollution of idols? And from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. Eating meat with blood in it. Now, are they making back, going back to the old food laws of Moses? Well, in a way they actually are, but not the way most people think of the old food laws. You weren't supposed to eat meat strangled. You know, if an animal was strangled, you weren't supposed to eat that. But that's the metaphor. That helps people remember this from generation to generation. What they're really talking about is you're not to strangle your neighbor to get his contribution to society or to you. You're not to force that contribution. It had to be Corbin, which originally meant free will offerings. That's the way it was translated in the Old Testament. But the Corbin of the Pharisees was making the word of God to none effect because it was not a free will offering. It was a compelled offering. It was a tax. That it had become a tax under the Pharisees and Herod. The pollution of idols was the free bread of Rome. The free cheese of Rome. The free meat of Rome. That came by taxing people and forcing contributions. Now Rome didn't always do that. But it had gone that way and it started going that way at least 150 years before Jesus Christ and 100 years before the first Caesar. And it started going that way of creating a Corbin system, Q-U-R-B-A-N in, in the Roman, that was used to provide for the welfare of the people. Now originally they started taking from those they conquered 
was there's prohibitions from that of that in the Bible, but they didn't use the Bible, so they went out and that they didn't do that at first so much, but they certainly did that under Caesar before he became the first emperor of Rome. And actually, he never really became... He was going down to get to become the first emperor of Rome, and they stabbed him trying to restore the republic. But that's another long story. The point is, is that was the pollution of idols. Those benefits that are provided by men who call themselves benefactors, but they actually don't give you anything that they have. They give you what they take away from their neighbor, what they have squeezed out of their neighbor. Neighbor. Things strangled. The blood of their neighbor. They force their neighbor through these men who exercise authority and run these systems of welfare through the temples and they provide for you. And in order to get those benefits, you usually, usually have to sign up for those benefits and that's fornication because if you're signed up with a bride of Christ, why are you signing up for other brides? And other systems of welfare that operate by force and fear and fealty, that's the fornication part, or are you operating by faith, open charity? This is the distinction of God's kingdom to everybody else's kingdom. And what does it lead to when you chase Rome instead of seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Well, it leads to where you're at right now. But a second quote I wanted to mention is Second Peter 2.20. For if after they have escaped the pollution of the world. Now that's not the planet. They're not talking about, you know, uh, industrial waste. They're talking about the pollution of the constitutional order or system of government. The word there, that's what it means. Through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. In other, through what he told us. And we got to know him and we got to understand that we're not to covet our neighbor's goods through these men who exercise authority. We are to live by faith, open charity. And the Corbin of the Pharisees makes the word of God to none effect. So we shouldn't be applying for benefits that are provided by strangling our neighbor or squeezing the resources out of our neighbor. Because that would be contrary to the teachings of God and the commandment of God that thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's goods. That's very simple to understand, but a lot of people hear this for the first time and they go like, what? What? You know, yeah, yeah. That's it. Most churches are not preaching the righteousness of God. They're, they're watered down the gospel. They don't actually know Jesus. Now, if you get what I'm saying, maybe you do know Jesus, but you just lack knowledge and now you can do something about it. But he goes on and says... The pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. They are again entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. That's where we're at now. That's where we're at now. We need to understand that. So anyway, uh, this uh, study said things like vaccinated children were significantly more likely than the unvaccinated to have been diagnosed with the following. Allergic rhinitis, other allergies, eczema. I'm running, I'm, I'm skipping the percentage difference. Sometimes the, 
the percentage is 10.4% versus 0.4%. So it's, it's quite, it's hundreds of times more likely to have allergic rhinitis, you know, than, uh, some, uh, than the people who were, uh, unvaccinated. So the vaccinated people were getting a lot sicker. Eczema, uh, any kind of a topic, uh, dermatitis. Uh, learning disabilities showed up at a higher percent, you know, like four times or almost five times as high. ADHD shows up four times, more than four times higher amongst vaccinated children. ASD, any uh, neurodevelopmental disorder. And th- this is kids from, you know, like six to 12. We don't know how far this goes. Uh, what about loss of IQ? We've talked about that before. You wouldn't know that. How do you know that unless you take a cross-section? But the reality is all these things have been going on for some time. People like Snopes tried to put down this study, but it was peer-reviewed study. Uh, yeah, the guy who was head of the study might have had some bias, but you'd have to find it in the study somewhere. He said that he used homeschooling kids because that's an easy way to find unvaccinated kids because a lot of homeschoolers aren't vaccinated. But it's very clear that while a vaccine might give you temporary immunity from one problem, it might give you all kinds of other problems. And people need to realize that. The research got some very uh, troubling answers. They reported uh, odds, risks, ratios similar to smoking and lung cancer for vaccinated, you know, vaccinations and immune, uh, mediated allergic rhinitis, for example, and a more than fourfold highest risk of vaccinated children having been diagnosed on the autism spectrum than unvaccinated children. So, there was a distinctive difference. Correlation is not causation, but we could go into causation too. But in most cases, causation is theory. And like we pointed out many times, there is no evidence that polio vaccine stopped polio. There is no causation that would tell us that that is the case. Now, there is causation that if you got the polio vaccine, you are probably immune to the wild virus. But most of the cases in many countries today is not from the wild virus. It's from the virus they made the vaccine from. In other words, the vaccine is literally spreading the disease because they give it to them. They're shedding for a few days. During that process, they it can mutate into a full polio uh, infection. And again, we're dealing with the same type of things that we were talking about with the uh, uh, exosomes and viruses being almost identical in nature. What happens is you get the, the virus in you and it replicates it. You have an exome. It goes into your cell, gets in the same way by unlocking the cell. The cell lets it in. And the cell automatically begins to duplicate replicate 
the exosome. And that's what it thinks it's doing when it's replicating the virus. The virus isn't taking over the control. He's just coming in and he looks like an exosome. He has some of the proteins that would identify him and your cell misidentifies them. Most diseases are the result of confused identity, which we see a lot in society to the point where people don't know if they're male or female. They have all kinds of confusion and dysphoria. Well, that's the same thing going on in your cells. There's a dysphoria where it, does, it thinks this cell is... The same thing goes on in cancer. Why isn't your white blood cells attacking the cancer? Because they don't recognize it as foreign. Something, it has imitated your cells enough that it doesn't realize that it's foreign. And if we could wake that up and remove that delusion from your immune system, your immune system would go after those cells. You know, those tumor cells. That's part of that cellular communication in the uh, exome, uh, exosome uh, particles that are being released by your cell. That's part of their job to carry that communication to other parts of your body. But anyway, what is now we see them moving towards the idea of forced vaccinations again. We've had that several times. It was a great outcry. But now with this fear breaking down the resistance of the people, a lot of people are saying, yes, we have to do this. And if they say it's the only way we can go back to work and the only way we can get on a plane, we have to allow for forced vaccination. And meanwhile, a guy who has been preaching for years reducing the world's population is building buildings to produce your vaccine. He's already working on a vaccine. Uh, as a matter of fact, he helped donate money to the some of the uh, laboratories in Wuhan that may have originally leaked the virus. I don't know. That's all conspiracy stuff. All I know is the virus is here. It does make a few people sick. But it has made a lot of people terrified. There's still people going around. They're absolutely afraid to take off their mask. It's the flu. As a matter of fact, you don't take off your mask this week or this month. Next year, when this virus comes back, like many other viruses come back, you won't have any immunity. And you may get that one and the next one. The reality is, is this is here to say you can run, but you cannot hide. I'm not saying go out and get it, but don't be afraid to get it. But what you should be working on is how can you boost your immune system in a real way that makes sense so that you will be prepared. And if you do get sick, how do you treat it? I didn't go on a ventilator. I have really bad lungs from injuries from way back all my life. I've had so many needles poked into me, I've lost count I mean, it's in the tens of thousands probably. I used to get 11 shots twice a week when I was a little boy. Finally, when I was 14, I just told my parents, I'm not going to the doctors anymore. If I die, I die. Well, now we're well more than a half a century later and I'm still alive and all my doctors are dead. So, I'm not the picture of health, but I I can still outwork most 35-year-olds. So, I'm still going at it strong but I'm learning every day about diet about and, and I'm not an advocating one kind of diet for anybody everybody's different everybody's problems are different and this is why I was pointing out the similarities between the actual human body how one group of cells communicates with another group of cells that would literally be 
thousands of miles away, if we put it in perspective of us the size of a cell, that, you know, for a one little cell to communicate to the other side of your body that there's a virus present and you have to watch out for it, or there's a chemical present and you have to watch out for it, and you have to protect yourself, your cell will actually communicate all the way across your body. That's the, like I say, equivalent of you communicating all the way across the country or even across the ocean and telling somebody, this is what you need to do when you get sick like this. This is what I did. That's what you say. Because you, you, we can't diagnose. That's illegal because you're all entangled again in the elements of the world and the world doesn't like us interfering. But we can tell you what happened with us. And we can tell you what worked with us and then you can make up your own mind. We can't tell you what to do. We don't exercise authority one over the other. It is really a strain to get people to think for themselves. We're just sharing information. And that's why we have thousands and thousands of footnotes on our websites and in our books and and that's so you can think for yourself. So one of the things is if they do go to this forced vaccination, a lot of people don't want to get it and they don't want to give it to their children because there are problems with vaccinations. They do people do die from vaccinations. And one perfect evidence of that besides the record is the fact that the pharmaceutical companies that produce the vaccine got the government to say they're not responsible if they kill you. They're not responsible if they make you sick. And they have sold this idea that the only way society can be safe is that if we inject poison into your arm and then you become immune. And they haven't rightly proved that the benefits of this immunity that they're claiming to give you outweighs the side effects because polio was cured by the people, by that pharmaceutical industry that is inside of you. Go read our page on vaccines. We don't even concentrate on the polio. But there are all kinds of side effects with the original polio vaccine. And people are dying today even from that where they... They use up certain uh, certain cells. I think I have links on our vaccine article. If we have something wrong in the vaccine article, let us know. But when that study I told you about, Snopes was attacking that study. If you read Snopes' attack on the study, it's all conjecture, innuendo. Uh, it is so biased. It's unbelievable. It's ad hominems. It's suggestions that somebody might be prejudiced, but no evidence. They don't dispute the facts. They're not addressing the actual study. They're just trying to say, well, then they throw out these things. Scientific evidence is clear that uh, vaccines help. Not so clear. Just because you say it doesn't make it so. But in this day and age, it's amazing how many politicians are out there and they say stuff. That isn't true. But they say it like it's true and people believe it because people are not seeking the truth. They have a dysphoria about the truth. They avoid the truth. They don't want to know the whole truth and nothing but the truth. They they want things that corroborate what they already believe to be true because they have faith in their knowledge, not in the knowledge of God. They have faith in doctors. They have faith in politicians. They have faith in lawyers. 
But they don't really have faith in Christ. If you had faith in Christ, you would be doing what Christ said. Instead, you're doing the opposite. You have the Corbin of the Pharisees that makes the word of God to none effect. It's pervasive throughout the world today. Uh, you're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. You're not loving your neighbor as yourself. You're coveting your neighbor's goods through the agency of men who exercise authority so that you can get benefits at their expense. And you say you're a Christian. You know what Christ is going to say. Get ye from me, ye workers of iniquity. He's not going to accept that. So it came up in our minister's call. And uh, we're about halfway through, so I should throw in a break here. I was supposed to do that for the station. So we'll be right back in a moment uh, to Keys of the Kingdom. So stay tuned. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So what what we're doing is uh, talking about on uh, the minister's call... And uh, as people don't want to take the vaccine, so shouldn't the church write a letter that makes them exempt? Well, it depends on your country and what they accept, because some states now have illegally, but they've done it anyway. I mean, this whole shutdown is illegal. You don't quarantine healthy people and and shut down the entire economy. In order to protect somebody who might get sick, you quarantine the sick people or the people who might get sick. You really can't even quarantine the people who might get sick. You can only quarantine people you can clearly say is endangering others, unnecessarily endangering the others. And so far, this is just basically the flu. It's a, you know, it's a respiratory flu, but it's just basically a respiratory flu. It doesn't have the kill rate everybody's trying to insinuate. And the other SARS and MERS, uh, viruses probably went through everybody too, and most people did not, did not, uh, react to it enough that you even knew that they were sick. Again, if they're isolating everybody who has got these clear, disastrous symptoms, that doesn't mean everybody will get those clear, disastrous symptoms. But you isolate them and they say, oh, they got it, and there's a large percentage of them that died, then that's how many who died who had really bad symptoms. It's not how many died who were exposed to the virus. Because most people would probably throw off the virus without uh, any problem because your immune system has been doing this for thousands of years. When, when One of the worst plagues that went through Rome killed off about half of the adult population, many of them the older members of society. It, it was a smallpox type deal. It was brought back from uh, one of the campaigns by the Roman soldiers. Well, Half of the people lived, half of the people died, or half of the elderly people and the older people died. The heads of households died. But the other, you know, that's theoretically that half, it may not even been that much. But what of all the others? They were never exposed? No, they were exposed. They got it. They just had a robust immune system. This went on for centuries because of this moving about uh, you know, especially when they opened up mercantilism and, and, and there were trade routes and diseases would come through and people would get sick and people would die and people would get better and they were the stronger, the more robust immune systems. So when they came to America, Indians did not have that system because they had not had that type of social structure 
And so they were devastated all in a few years by the introduction of all these diseases. But the ones who are left are the ones who had the robust immune system. There are probably more Indians in America or people with Indian descent in America than there was when we got here. And a lot of them are doing great. And uh, it's because we brought a culture. Now we've been changing that culture because somebody thinks culture doesn't matter. We've also been changing our diet to this processed food. Uh, we have been changing the way in which we deal with illness because we think vaccine, vaccinations are our salvation. Doctor, doctors are killing people right now with coronavirus by the use of ventilators. Now, I'm not saying in every case you can't use ventilators, but it is very clear, and doctors are coming out and saying this, they're seeing deaths because even though they appear to have pneumonia, they don't have pneumonia. This is a, the, the, the labor of their lungs is to do with the virus attacking certain cells in their lungs, and using a ventilator actually damages that tissue and brings in secondary infections. So they're actually, they know, they're pretty sure now, that's what the doctors are saying. The doctors who are on the front lines are saying ventilators may be killing patients. Other, you know, they try different things with different patients. Oop, that person died. Oops, that person got worse. Like the doctor who was the uh, Iron Man runner and everything. She tried an over-counter drug. That didn't work. She, and I was trying to think of she tried something else. And now I can't think of it. I had it on the tip of my tongue a minute ago. And now uh, she she found out that didn't work. And so finally she went through this uh, chloroquine. And what the, the chief thing here is the, the zinc. Because zinc does interfere with the activities of these viruses. And all you're doing, it's not curing you. All you're doing is postponing the symptoms. So the the, the body does not kill itself with too severe a symptoms. So that's that's what you have to realize. But there's you know, there's a religious argument for not taking vaccinations. And so some people have written up a letter and we're working on one. I have one here that one of our ministers brought to our attention after the phone call because we have lots of people that will work on these things. And when I was going down the long list of names who have signed it. One of the people who signed it is somebody I know who's actually in one of our congregations. So, but I have some problems with the letter and, and, and as to whether or not we should write it that way. And one of the things is we try to put too much in one letter. And, you know, it's like, you know, you want to go into battle with a sword and you take all the steel you have and you melt it down into the one sword and you go out there and you're not nearly as effect as effective as you would have been had you you know made a couple different swords a short sword a long sword a broad sword or maybe a mace <laughs> and you go in with a variety of weapons because you don't know who you're going up again uh, against so you don't try to put everything in the letters because uh, if you're going into a court of law trying to obtain a religious exemption or going up in front of a board trying to a- obtain a religious exemption in a particular state or province in some country, you need to address what they consider a religious uh, exemption. That letter may need to be tailor-made 
for that country, state, or jurisdiction. You can have other letters that address the legal efficacy. You know, like if the governor of Oregon ordered that everybody in Oregon had to get a vaccination. Well, she's not the governor of Oregon. She literally is not the lawful governor of Oregon. She violated Article 2, Section 22 of the Oregon Constitution. Clearly violated. It's a matter of record. It's right on the books. And the Oregon Constitution says if anybody violates that, they forfeit their office. So she's already forfeited the office of governor. They're letting her sit there because of another disease called apathy that is infested the hearts and minds of the people. And they sit back, oh, yeah, but what can we do about it? You can do all kinds of things about it, but you don't know how to come together. And you don't know how to come together because you didn't obey Christ. For Christ's sake, you should have come together. For one another's sake, you should have come together and taken care of all the social welfare of your Christian society through faith, hope, and charity and the perfect law of liberty. But instead, you chose to go and pray to men who call themselves benefactors and exercise authority to get those benefits at the expense of your neighbor. And now you are entangled again in the yoke of bondage by that covetous practice and you have cursed your children with trillions of dollars in debt. That's a pretty good sum up of where you're at. Now you want the church to write a letter that's suddenly going to make you exempt from your bondage. Well, that's not the way it works. (laughs) That's not the way you should be thinking of this. For one thing, the church is not your benefactor who exercises authority. So he can't write a letter that commands that you don't take shots or that you're not allowed to take shots by the church. That's not the way it works. It has to be a personal, moral conviction. You can add the word religious, moral conviction. And you have to be willing to go to jail rather than take the shot. But, all by yourself, they just pick you off one at a time. So, now you take a large number of people, and you put them together, and they all sign this letter. That's why it has to be short and simple and to the point, covering the basic elements, and we're still working on it. So, I mean, this other letter is extremely long. It makes a lot of good points. I'm not disagreeing with its points. But if you take a scientific argument against vaccines before a tribunal that is deciding whether or not you have a religious exemption, you're arguing against yourself. That You have to understand how this works. You cannot argue science and scientific convictions and theories when you're expressing a religious conviction. You just don't do that. It's not going to work in most legal systems. If you had a theocracy, maybe it would work. But your theocracy, you have to base it on what they consider to be a valid argument, religious argument, why you don't want that vaccine. And you put that in your letters, you word it as if each of you are writing the letter, and then 
we the people, you can start off with that, we the people, in order to establish our religious conviction to all the world, <laughs> state that we fundamentally believe, and I'm not going to give you exact word, that God does not want us to have a vaccination and introduce foreign toxins into our body through vaccination of any kind. They may let you get away with that. They may say you can't fly without your certificate of immunity. But there are other ways that the church can go about and prove that you're immune to the diseases they're talking about, like the coronavirus. They appear to be pawning off this new test, but the real test is a blood test that can verify in six minutes whether you've ever had the coronavirus and whether you now have the antibodies to the coronavirus. We could purchase one of those machines. They're pretty hard to get right now. They're spreading around the country. And they don't want everybody to get this because if you find out that most everybody is already immune, why would anybody want to take the vaccination? Then we could actually... You know, get um, court watch or somebody like that to sue the state because we can prove that you're already immune. And to add new immunity, then we get doctors, scientists to come up and testify. And we put that into a report. That says, but now we're not arguing religious exemption. Now we're arguing whether or not this is a valid power that the government has. Because their power is based on the fact that they're trying to protect everybody else because you might be contaminated. But we can prove that you're not contaminated. But, you know, we bring up part of the congressional record where the inventor of the polio vaccine says that most of the cases since such and such a date was 1966 or something. And he was testifying in 77 or 76. He said most of the cases of polio are from the vaccine. So if that's true and that's on the congressional report, nobody's refuted it and there's no studies to refute it and there's actually studies, we have to, I can't put all this together. But if we were tens, hundreds and thousands, it would be very inexpensive to put together a really good case against forced vaccinations, especially for those that can prove that they're already immune without vaccinations. And do more studies that show that vaccinations have a downside, which they could actually cause the incubation of an all-new disease that makes the population sick. So what they're ordering was actually destructive. We could have already been doing this concerning the shutdown. But you're a scattered flock. You're not, you're going to the men in power and saying, aren't you exercising more power than you should? These people, they can't even get rid of Governor, Governor, Kate Brown, who isn't the legitimate governor of Oregon. She's not the legitimate, it's just a fact. But they can't get rid of her because the people can't come together. Why can't they come together? Because they're too busy sucking down the benefits from those guys who are the benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. Young men aren't going to be taking care of their parents. They're going to send them to Social Security. I know people, devoutly religious people, 
The father didn't want to take Social Security. He's over 72 years of age. Didn't want to take Social Security. His kids are saying, yeah, you're entitled to it. Entitled to what? There isn't anything in Social Security. It's been bankrupt for years. It was bankrupt almost when it started. Because there's no division of funds and we've been in debt since it started. The reason we started is because you're in debt and they needed collateral or the Federal Reserve wasn't going to loan any more money out. I had somebody I, I respect dearly as a hard-working, industrious, his family. I respect dearly as honorable people. But he's laboring under the assumption that the Federal Reserve is a government agency. You can tell that because it starts with the word federal, which is why they started it with the word federal to fool people who don't actually do the study. But where did he study? He went to public school. How would he know any different? He's smart. He learned everything they taught him. But everything they taught him just ain't so. So the reality is most of the health in the, in, in the country is due to plumbing. It's not due to doctors. I mean, doctors are great. Doctors can do. But you should not be getting up on the table and doing everything they say. You need to think for yourself. And don't expect us to play that same role. We're not going to do it. The kingdom of God is driven by the Holy Spirit. Not the Holy Spirit in one man or one bishop or pope or or priest or pastor. It's the Spirit of God in you individually. This is why Christ sat there, did nothing about feeding the masses until they sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands. And then he didn't feed them. He only gave them seven loaves and seven fishes. That's all he gave them. Where did all the rest come from? This is one of the great deceptions. Now, God could certainly bring manna out of the sky. He certainly could do that. Exactly what that means and how it's done, that's another issue. That's part of the mysteries of the kingdom that I can't give you because it's not given unto you to know. But I can tell you where that bread came from at the loaves and fishes. It came from all the selfish people that saw Christ sitting there for hours, maybe days without eating, and then took the food that was given him to eat, and he gave it away to others and continued to sit there without eating. And the apostles had no more food either, because he gave it all away. And they started sharing. Those that had shared with those that did not have enough. If you don't bring that spirit back in a network of faith, hope, and charity, you're going to see yourself a part of the decline and fall of the modern New World Order empire. You need to repent and think a different way. So the virus is not the threat. You've already been infected by a strong delusion. You need to turn around and think a different way. You stop accepting the idea that it's okay to covet your neighbor's goods, to strangle your neighbor's economy. That's what you're doing. You're letting the government shut down because of the flu, which we have every year, probably no worse than in 2017. Shut down the economy, put people billions of trillions of dollars in debt, devastate some of the poorest, hard-working people of society. Suicide rates are up three, four, five, six times in some areas. They have to guard places to keep people from committing suicide. And you say, well, who? Did they lose a business? Is that why they committed suicide? No, they're a teenager. 
A teenager committed suicide because of why? Because all you're preaching is fear from your media pulpits. And even preachers are doing this. And and cowardliness. Oh, we have to do what the government says, even though the government tells us to do contrary to what God says. God will be your ultimate comforter, not the church. We're just sore, uh, soulful creatures seeking to do the will of God. Same as you. We have a different role as ministers of the church. But it's not to rule over you. It's not to exercise authority over you. But we will sit down with what we have learned with those who will sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and tell you what we think might be a wise deal. But you have to decide what letter you're going to cite. So we, the people, might do one letter over here in Kentucky and another one over in Arkansas, and they might have to be tailored because the laws vary from state to state. But anyway, we'll have to finish this conversation at another time. Till then, peace be unto you, and God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.